0: Hi, this is Travis T. Wolf, author, international transformational speaker, entrepreneur, owner of Wolf Empowerment Group, and you're listening to Chasing Dreams with Amy J.
1: Welcome to Chasing Dreams podcast with Amy J., Amy believes that realizing a life without regrets is achieved by taking chances, chasing your dreams, making moves, and overcoming your doubts. The Chasing Dreams podcast will help you overcome life's obstacles, believe in your potential, and inspire you to face your fears. And now, here's the woman who is passionately pursuing her dreams Amy J.
2: Hey, Dream Chasers, this is Amy J, and you are listening to episode 104 of Chasing Dreams. It's crazy, isn't it? And it's even better because I have a good friend on the on the phone with us today, Travis Wolf. He was born into poverty to two drug-addicted parents. At the age of eight, his family placed him in the foster care system where he was physically and sexually abused, a runaway at age 15 and homeless. By the age of 16, his life was on a downward spiral, and he was destined for failure. But today, he is an author, transformational speaker, entrepreneur, and sergeant in the police department. His story is a testament that when you become determined not to lose it, it becomes impossible not to win. And we actually met recently at DreamCon, where he was a speaker. And guys, he's phenomenal. I'm so happy he was able to come onto the show. Travis, how are you today?
0: Amy, I am doing absolutely amazing. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so grateful.
2: You know, recently, one of the things as you grow as a podcaster, as a a speaker, you kind of want to get feedback from people, right? I did a survey recently and found a lot of people who have gone through traumatic experiences feel that they can't move forward. They can't pursue their dream. And when I heard your story at DreamCon, I was like, oh, no, he has to come on the show because you're a testament to the fact that that's not the case. Absolutely. And, and so let's not to talk too much about your background, but it has to be mentioned. You had a very, is it safe to say difficult childhood?
0: Yes. I like to call it challenging. Okay. Uh, <laughs> that, that's
2: I think accurate it was, as well.
0: It, it was, it was challenging at times. Absolutely. You know, born in a poverty, as you stated, you know, Two drug addicted parents, both my mother and my father were addicted to crack cocaine. And my father was also a very abusive alcoholic when I was eight years old because of my parents' absenteeism and addictions. My own mother's mother, my grandmother, and my mother's sister, one of my aunts, placed me and my sisters in the foster care system. And, you know, in the system, I was abused physically and mentally. And by the time I was 18, I apologize rather. By the time I was eleven, I was being molested and raped by a sixteen-year-old male foster child. Wow. When I was twelve, my father had gotten himself clean and sober and got me out of a group home that I was in. You know, but I, I hated my father. I hated, you know, today I love him. But when, at the time, when I was, at the time I hated yeah. my father because my father Forced me to learn how to be a man for my mother because he wasn't there. You know, my father would promise me on holidays and Christmas and, you know, birthdays that he would come to to see us. And you know, I would sit outside, and wait for my father to walk down the uh, down the walkway, and he wouldn't show up. You know, I hated my father because my father made me learn how to fight in the middle of a fight because he wasn't there to teach me how to use my hands and. That was important. I'm not today. I don't. I don't condone violence or anything like that. But at that time, because of the climate, the racial climate, and us being the only children that looked like us that weren't that were non-white in in our school, my sister and I used to get chased home and jumped by groups of racist children. You know, seven, eight, nine, ten years old, oh, and uh, spit on and called the N-word and things like that. So. You know that was a rough time for us, but you know when my father had got me out of the group home at twelve, you know I I didn't I refused to be obedient and I was a habitual rule breaker, you know, for a long period of my life and my father ended up you know be, becoming abusive to me. Um, he'll call it discipline, you know, by today's standards would be abuse, and at least I thought I was abused back then, so I ran away at 15, 16, I was homeless. By the age of nineteen, I was arrested, and you know things kind of turned around from there but that's a little bit of my story
2: well I mean it's an amazing story truth be told it's it's from one point to the other that you've you've gone could you at at such a young age going through what you did you know in your teens and as an 11 year old did you have dreams
0: I talked about it a little bit at the at the dreamers
2: a dream DreamCon, uh,
0: dream, con, dream con. yeah because I remember Joe had asked me the same question mm-hmm. on the Dreamers podcast he had asked me did I dream and and I told Joe at the time I said joe i didn't dream no mm-hmm. oh, I, I didn't dream because part of me being an individual who came from where I came from, i didn't believe that I could be anything other than what I knew, and at the time, all I knew was poverty, all I knew was you know homelessness, hopelessness, you know my mother and I between ages of one and four when she had, she had given me away after birth, but got me back when I was about one, a little bit over one. And we had spent some time homeless and bouncing around from place to place. My mother always called it moving and shaking and coming up like that, not experiencing anything different. I didn't, I, I didn't feel like I had, at least back then, I don't remember having the capacity to dream. I believe that you dream when you, when you can see other possibilities, when there's when there's a possibility that you can be something greater, you know, but never having experienced or seen anything greater than what I knew, I don't know what I would have dreamed about. I always thought I wanted to become a police officer, but I don't remember ever dreaming about these, these things.
2: I can imagine that it's hard. You don't see anything else but what you were, you were saying. Why would you? When would you say that you started to begin, believe that you could, though? Do you remember?
0: One day I, I had met a mentor. And um it's kind of sad, actually, I think, that I was 18, 17 years old, uh, when I met this mentor and uh he told me that he believed that I was greater than I believed that I was. And for him to tell me something like that at at that age and having having not ha heard anybody ever tell me that, for this man to tell me that he loved me and have never up to this point never heard my father actually tell me that he loved me or never can remember a time my father told me he loved me. You know, it was, I don't even know how to explain it. it to explicate it would, would not even do it justice, I think. So I'll just say that it was, a, it was a phenomenal experience, I guess. And to have this man take me to his home and show mm-hmm. me his family, to sit down at the dinner table and eat with Pastor Jeff Arthur and his family, to see a nice car in a driveway, a beautiful home, children, a wife, you know, I started to dream about having those things. And then when I got an opportunity to make a decision at that fork in the road, whether I wanted to go left or go right, and whether I wanted to be going down the path that people expected me to go down, which they always told me I'd be better in jail like my father, or I had the opportunity to go the other way and try to attain what Pastor Jeff had shown me and follow my dreams that I began to have at that time, I was able to choose the positive route. And that was the, that around the age of 17, was the time that I can actually remember that I started to dream. And I started, what I dreamed about was having this family. What I dreamed about was becoming a police officer, going to college. The first male in my, co- in my family, uh, on my mother or father's side, to to go to college, so. That's when I began a dream, 17, when I can remember.
2: At 17, and you you started pursuing it. I mean, you, you became a sergeant in the police force in Philadelphia. So one could say that your dream or your belief that you wanted to be in the police force kind of happened or came full circle. Was that something that stayed with you, the desire to be a police officer? Was there any particular reason why the police force appealed to you?
0: Yes, when I was seven years old, my mother and I and my sisters had gotten evicted from the apartment we were living in because mainly because of me i was I was getting involved in a lot of mischievous things at that time, mm-hmm. and we ended up in a motel when we got evicted from the apartment and you know, I did tell you about the experiences with the racism and things like that and there was a police officer that didn 't look like us, and he knew that my mother was on drugs, and he would come check on us every day that he was working and this man would bring us food or candy or something from the neighborhood food establishments. He would come in our home and our mother wasn't there and look in our refrigerator, see we didn't have food. He would go per- go grocery shopping and get us milk and bread, peanut butter and stuff like that so we could have food in the home. And he showed us a level of love and compassion that I had never experienced from someone who didn't look like us, really no nobody other than, our, than my mother. So to be in that experience, to experience that in that moment, it stuck with me and I always wanted to become a police officer since I was seven years old and give back someone that same love and compassion. And when I was trying to pursue that dream, I had gotten arrested and it got derailed when I was 19. And, you know, it was difficult for me to become a police officer at that point. I was told no 14 different times by six different departments that I could not become a police officer.
2: Well, that, that's, that's, that's a lot of times. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. Some people Absolutely. some people typically stop after the third one. Fourteen?
0: Fourteen different times by six different departments. And I refuse to let no me know. You know, I would walk in and know they would tell me no and I would fail some portion of the of the process and they would tell me no. And I wouldn't let no me know. No would just mean uh, not today. You know, my, my record wouldn't allow me to become a police officer. I had to get that expunged. So I was told no a couple of times during that process. Mm-hmm. But one of the same departments that told me no, back in 2003, or 2004 rather, three years later, they hired me. And wow. then just three years ago, they promoted me to sergeant. So just that being, being determined not to lose and never accepting no, and just continuing and pushing through the process, you know, if if I didn't continue on and try, even after all those times, I may not ever be in a position, in the position that I am today where I can say I'm a sergeant in the fourth largest department in the country.
2: I got, I got to talk about this a little bit. I mean, <laughs> 14 times people say no, six different departments. And, and were you ever discouraged amongst that? I mean, sure, you said not, no, it means not today. But truly, in those times that you kind of kept going. Did you ever think, well, maybe I'm seeing this wrong. And it's not just no, it means today, this isn't going to happen. Did you ever have doubt like that?
0: I got to tell you, Amy, I'm human. And I would love to say no, I absolutely never had any doubt. Mm -hmm. But I'm a human being. And sometimes as humans, we do get discouraged. And we have to remind ourselves sometimes of of our desire and of our why. But to be told no so many times and That's not even the worst part about it. I've been number one on lists for different departments on three different occasions. I've been number one on their list. And then I get to a certain stage in the testing process, whether it be the polygraph or whether it be the background investigation. And then at that point, I'd be denied. So to be number one on their list, what it means to be number one is to outdo hundreds of other, maybe not hundreds. uh, I know for that department, it was a little over a hundred. A couple of times it was over a hundred. And one other time, it was only about eight. But to be number one out of eight or number one out of uh, over 100 uh, applicants and then be told no after getting way into the process. That's discouraging. That was discouraging. Yeah. Absolutely. But then I remember my why, you know, and I remember that I was doing this for my family. And I remember that, you know, all the things that I had gone through in my life had prepared me for disappointment. I've always been disappointed my whole life. I've never, you know. But at least when I, uh, when I was younger, I had never been, you know, truly surprised when I was told no or when something didn't work out because I expected it. But I always kept trying. So.
2: I mean, that, so that's the thing, right? And I think that's something we often forget. Is yeah, it's it's okay that you doubt yourself. It's okay that you know you you are discouraged because you're right. It's human. Right. But we we put so much pressure on ourselves like, oh, I had I had doubt. Therefore, I don't deserve it. But the fact that you came back to your why and that you knew to come back to your why, that's not a that's not a normal thing for people.
0: It's, It's not a normal thing, Amy, honestly. But, you know, Dr. Dwayne Dyer said before, if you knew who walked beside you at all times on this path that you have chosen, you could never experience fear or doubt again. So, and I'm not challenging anybody's existential or either their religious beliefs, but I know who walks beside me. And I know that in the end, God's purpose for me is a lot bigger than what I think it is. And it's a lot bigger than my own desires and my own idea of what I want to do with my life. And I have believed that this was my At the time, my destiny. I had believed that this was part of my growth process and that this was something I was going to do. And I wanted it so bad. I desired it so bad. I read from in the book, The Alchemist, when a person desires, truly desires a thing, all of the universe conspires to help that person achieve their dream. So I believed that I would achieve this. And honestly, although I was told no so many times, the universe was conspiring all along. And I, although I'm human and sometimes I got discouraged, I never really succumbed to that doubt because I knew that in the end I would be victorious. So I just continued to push on and continue to push on Amy. And here I am today. And, you know, this job is one of the best jobs. I used to say it's the best job in the world, but now, you know, with my company, with empowering individuals, I'm doing something totally different now. And, you know, it's the second best job in the world, because right now what I do is I empower youth and millennials who've been in foster care, like myself, mm-hmm. to overcome their victimizations and their hardships so they can experience success and total life fulfillment. So doing that now is definitely the number one job in the world, but policing is the second best job in the world. And I just knew in the end who walked beside me. I knew I would be victorious. So
2: The thing is, not just... I mean, I'm I'm so happy because, you know, who you are today because of that experience, because you didn't take no for an answer. But, you know, that's something I think we all face while you're human and you, you overcame it. I'm sure you had other people saying, hey, why don't you try something else? Why don't you go another direction? Did you have that outer force, a third party kind of whispering in your ear also? Did you have to fight that off as well? (laughs)
0: <laughs> Amy, when I tell people today that I'm a police officer, they're like, they're blown away. They can't believe it. And then when they find out I'm a sergeant, they're like, no, not you. There's no way you. There's no way you. I, I saw a couple of my friends from when I was younger on South Street one day during the Fourth of July uh, fireworks on South Street in Philadelphia. And uh, after the fireworks that they had, everybody comes down South Street and hangs out, you know, and people I grew up with saw me out there. It was three of them. And they were like, yo, Trev, what? they were like, yo, you a cop? And then they got up close, and they're like, yo, you a sergeant? Like, there's, I can't believe, no, they couldn't believe it. So, yes, of course, people told me no along the way. People mm-hmm. told me it was crazy for me to continue to try. Nobody believed I could ever do it, coming from where I came from and having the arrest record that I did. And I was honestly, I was, I was nutty. I was doing some crazy stuff. When I was- <laughs> so, I mean, I don't blame them for not thinking that I could. But you know, even some of your family, sometimes they mean well but they they want the, but they consider it the best for you. And they'll tell you things that might just, they might tell you, you can't be, or, or you can't do, right you know, but I was told no, and I can't, and I won't be all my life. And I was, one of the things that did keep me pushing on was this determination to just not prove everybody wrong, but not allow people to tell me But I couldn't. Like I was rebellious. I said I was a habitual rule breaker. I was very rebellious, and I wouldn't let somebody tell me I cannot achieve a thing. So that's why. That's one of the things that motivated me to continue to push on, even though they told me no often, and they told me, you know, you should probably do something else, stay in college. Like I left college. I got a call on Friday that I had to be report. I had to report to the academy on Monday. And, I, and me being silly and, and naive and young, I didn't know how to cancel classes and, you know, kind of or put them on hold I, I just I hit cancel on all my classes and lost <laughs> all that money. And I was like, I'm going Monday. You know, I was so excited. I didn't go to the office. I just, you know, to talk to the people, the financial people, or whatever, financial aid. I just said, I'm done, cancel and went to get the job. And then some people were like, if you go to get this job, you're not going to finish college. And I'm like, thank you. That's exactly what I needed to hear. Because you told me I won't do it. So when I got done with the academy, I went right back to school. And within a year, I finished up my degree and graduated. I only have four classes left. And I just, I canceled it all, got the job, fulfilled my dream, and then came back right away and graduated. So
2: Wait, wait, wait. You finished the academy, went back to college, and finished your degree and because somebody said you couldn't do it?
0: I wanted it. Before they told me I couldn't do it, okay. but them telling me I couldn't do it was exactly the fuel that I needed for the fire mm. that was already burning to really make sure that I pushed through. Right. I, was, I was working a last out shift, which is 12 a.m. to 8 a.m. I would get off of work at 8 a.m. I would go to court. I would leave court and go to class, leave class and go back to court and, or work overtime or whatever. I was draining myself, but I was determined to finish, and, and I did it. I don't remember exactly who it was, but I'm so grateful. I wish I knew exactly who said it so I can thank them for, for helping me to push <laughs> through all those moments when I was like, I'm too tired to go to class. Or, you know, I'm too tired to right. finish. Maybe I'll, I'll stretch it out one more semester. I'm so grateful for that person because they gave me exactly what I needed.
2: And what did you graduate with a degree
0: in? Criminal justice. And it's terrible because I, I wanted to really, it's not terrible. It's phenomenal, actually. I, I have a degree. A lot of people don't have a degree. So I'm so grateful for that. But I have four different majors because I wanted to – I knew I wanted to be a police officer. Sure. Even though I was told no and I, I, I thought that I wasn't ever going to become it because of my background. Sometimes I tried three different other majors to try to make myself more marketable and more valuable when I got out of school. But my love and my passion was policing and law. So I just decided to, at the end of the day, after wasting countless amounts of money and extending my stay at Temple for – Numerous amounts of years. I mean, I graduated in <laughs> seven. <laughs> I didn't get a four-year degree or a five or six. I got a seven-year degree, but it took me a long time to graduate. I graduated in '09, but I wasted a bunch of money just trying other things before I just gave in to what I knew my passion was, and then I started to actually excel because I loved what I was doing well, before I was failing.
2: You know, nobody ever actually asks how, how long did it take you to graduate. I think everyone's so hung up on four years and three years and all that, but really, you got the degree.
0: I got the degree, you got
2: some education in there, (laughs) you know, and that's what you wanted. That's the, the more important part is you got you got the degree, you got the job. And it's amazing how you were juggling all of that. And then you were focused on police work full time. When did you begin giving back the way you do as a public speaker, as a transformational guide? I mean, when did that start?
0: Well, I was uh, sitting at home one day and I was nursing uh, a back procedure. I had my second back procedure. It was uh, minimally invasive, but nevertheless, it was a back procedure. And um, I know that every year and a half to two years, I'm going to have to get another one. And as I'm sitting at home, I'm looking at my life and you know, I'm in a state of, I don't like to call it depression because I don't subscribe to depression, but I believe that I was in some kind of funk. And while I'm sitting at home, I'm playing video games—fifteen hours, twelve hours, ten hours a day. My wife is upset. My kids are not happy. They're like, you know, you're you're here, but you're never really here. You know, you're playing yeah. the game. And I'm like screaming at them, I'm like, "Be quiet!" You know, I'm trying to play the game, and right, they're you're like, focused on that. They're trying to be my children and my wife, and I'm like scolding them. And I was in this funk, and I was looking at my life, like I know there's more to this than than more to me than this. I know that, you know, I've got almost ten years on the job, and With these back procedures, I don't know how much longer I can last. You know, one bad accident or one bad fight with a with somebody who doesn't want to go to jail, and I might be out of this job, out of a career forever. And I don't want that to happen. So if it does, though, what would I do? And I I ended up coming across like the universe. (laughs) The universe works in amazing ways. I don't usually scroll through. Steve Harvey videos. Somehow I ended up scrolling through Facebook and saw a Steve Harvey video and I actually played it. And there was a woman on there by the name of Lisa Nichols who was telling her story.
2: Oh, I love her, her
0: story. I love her. I love yeah. her story. Everybody she does. She's a phenomenal storyteller. And I'm watching and a phenomenal speaker. And I'm watching her s- captivate the audience. I'm watching the crowd. They're crying. They're, they're captivated by her story. And I'm like, man, her story is great. But when people hear just because I never told anybody about my trauma. I told people about some of the circumstances that I had and some of the things that I overcame. I didn't realize that I had actually been a speaker for a very long period of time in my life. I wanna say all my life, but that can't be true. But you know, as an, at least as an adult and a young man, I was always inspirational to people. And they always come back and tell me how I inspired them somehow, you know, not always, but often how I inspired them somehow in their lives. So watching her do that, I'm like, man, my story is great. If I just tell my story, write a book about it and speak about it, I can really impact and empower and inspire the world. Millions of people. And that's what I'm going to do. So I decided to start on this journey. And here I am today.
2: It's phenomenal because you're, you're just as captivating. And, you know, you capture your audience's attention as Lika Nichols as any other public speaker that I've seen. I mean, because you caught all of us at DreamCon. It was a phenomenal speech, guys. He closed out DreamCon and, you know, he left it all on the floor, so to speak. And I know I said it there, but I'm going to say it publicly. Kudos to you, because it was one of the the best there.
0: I appreciate that. Thank you so much. I'm really humbled by that. Thank you.
2: Yeah, well, you also, you know, took your experiences, you're working on this, and you also wrote a book. (laughs) And guys, this is a great book. It's called Go Be Great, Overcome, and Win. And um, you'll have all the links to Travis's website and stuff uh, on the show notes page. You should definitely check it out. Actually, Travis, can you share where, where they can buy the book?
0: Absolutely. You can go to TravisTWolf.com. T as in Travis. Travis T. Wolf. The same link is uh, WolfEmpowerment.com. wolfem empowerment. Dot com and you can buy the book there or you can do wolfempowerment.com backslash or forward slash rather go be great. Wolfempowerment dot com forward slash go be great.
2: Guys this is a great book. And and a lot of what we've talked about is actually in the book. And this you can just tell Travis this is a labor of love. Yes. I mean this is <laughs> this is your story.
0: Yes it is right yes it is when I was writing this book, the entire time I'm thinking to myself and saying to myself, reminding myself, this book is going to change the world. This book is going to change individuals' lives. So I had to leave it all on the floor. I had to be totally transparent. The only, I felt the only way to really change a person's life is to be completely transparent. Nothing faux, nothing Nothing hidden, just open and honest. And this book is changing lives worldwide it's not just it's internationally changing lives so I'm just so grateful and I you know I appreciate you uh shouting the book out and talking about it and I appreciate you reading it but um this book is absolutely phenomenal and and it is changing many many lives well
2: I had to share it because it's a very powerful book and guys I I, you know a lot of people who have I mean because you're very raw and honest in this book to be honest you're very raw and honest in this book and I think people need to read that people need to hear that and You know, in talking to some people who have gone through difficult times, you know, they have doubts amongst themselves. And I think, you know, especially for those folks, you know, check out this book, because it it is a story of a man who went through a different difficult childhood and is living his dream today. And, you know, you make no apologies for it. You just address it.
0: You have to. You know, a lot of us, we use our fears we use, our, uh, we use our victimizations as an excuse for us not to achieve a certain thing or for us not to pursue a certain thing. Mm-hmm. And that takes away from the fact that we are absolutely and like, I don't even know how else to put it, but we're, we're absolutely able to achieve the life that we desire. Literally, we speak our lives into existence, what we want. If we believe, if we ask, believe, and are willing to do the work to get what we ask for, we will receive it. And to be quite frank, this book is not just a story of my life. This book is actually a guide to help you to get to where you want to be in life. I show you how to implement the tools that I've used, the systems and the processes that I've used to help me to get to where I am in my life, where you can take them and immediately apply them in your life. And they're universal. You know, I talk about a little bit about universal law in there. And these things can be applied to your life. And if you work it, it'll actually help you to get to the next level. There's exercises in there and things like that. And I really had to give everyone, and I show everyone, you know, this idea that if a guy like me with circumstances like mine, right, can overcome and win, then you absolutely can overcome and win and do greater things than me. And, you know, in the Bible, you know, I don't mean to get real, I don't want to get religious, you know, but in the Bible, you know, Jesus says, he that believeth in me, then the works that I do, greater things than these, I mean, shall he do also, and greater things than these shall he do. So, you know, to believe that Jesus said that we would do greater things than he, I don't want to make Jesus a liar, you know, so (laughs) I believe that I can do greater things than Jesus, and I believe that everyone else can too. So. That is kind of like my motivation behind it, making sure that people know that they can achieve and just showing them, giving them my full story so they can see where I came from the dirt. You know, I talk, go ahead. You you
2: absolutely do. And if I could, I just want to read a small excerpt from from chapter 14, which is know how to win. Yes. And, And you say, imprinting success on your unconscious mind means you've told yourself over and over that you're going to be successful, whatever that looks like to you. Your unconscious mind believes it and accept it accepts it as fact. You truly see it in your mind's eye and you believe it and act as if you already have it. However, your unconscious mind doesn't have the power to manifest the things you want in life. It is your actions that are responsible for manifesting the things you desire. I mean, that's deep stuff right there. And just a portion of it. So like, it's great, guys. There there are actions. Uh, there are things in here for you to kind of work on and for yourself, you know, and so that you can kind of look at everything. But that is a very that's the kind of deep statement that is in this book, by the way. But I read that in particular because it's a very powerful thing that you say. It is your actions that are responsible for manifesting the things you desire. When did that come to you?
0: Ah, I honestly don't don't remember exactly when mm-hmm. but as i started to get on this personal development journey as i started to research universal law and started to apply the things in my life that helped me to become successful you start to learn more and more about how how the law of attraction works and how how important action is in our lives you know like i like you read i wrote that it is your actions that are mm-hmm. responsible for manifesting the things that you desire. Because a lot of us, we, you know, there's a statement, you know, that we reiterate all the time, ask and it shall be given to you. But that's not the end all be-all. You can't just ask and sit down on your couch and think that you're going to become successful because you asked for it. Sure. You actually have to take action in your life. You have to take these action steps. And these action steps, what happens when you take it, when you, when you so there's energy all around us, right? Mm-hmm. There's potential energy all around us. And you can wish and hope for and, and ask and desire all you want, but potential energy is not going to actually create you know, any momentum for you until you act upon it. Potential energy is, is only potential energy until it's acted upon by another source of energy. So when you take action, that's that energy that acts upon that potential energy, and you start the momentum to go. You know, the momentum starts to build and build and build. And then the more action you take, the more momentum builds. Like if you can imagine rolling a snowball down a down a large mountain, right? right? And as a snowball is rolling down the mountain, it's collecting more and more snow. As it's moving and it's taking action, it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. It's moving faster and faster and faster where you might, when it's small, you know, there might be an obstacle in the way, maybe a tree, right? The snowball hits that tree. And if it doesn't keep moving... It'll be it'll be dead in its tracks. And sometimes with our life, with our success, we start to move and then we hit a obstacle and then we give up. We quit. We think we can't overcome that obstacle. You know, but when that snowball hits that tree, it might be a small piece of snow that pops off the side of the snowball and continues to roll down the hill. Right. And that's what we should do with our lives and our success and our on our, our journey for success. Just continue to roll down that hill. And then as you continue to roll down that hill, before you know it, your snowball will be so big. If there's a Mack truck in front of that giant snowball, it will plow through that Mack truck. You know, it will plow through any obstacle and that thing will either become part of the snowball or get out of its way. You know, and that's where the momentum gets built that once we take action and then more action, you start to see, get a small victory and you see a win. And then you're like, okay, okay, I can do this. And you just keep going and keep going. And before you know it, You go from saying you want to become a speaker, you know, or saying you're a speaker before you're actually a speaker, to becoming an international speaker. I'm flying to St. Lucia next month to speak in St. Lucia. Wow. You know, and like nice. Just like just yesterday, I said, you know, I am going to be one of the best speakers in the world, you know, and then I started telling myself, I am the best speaker in the world. And I imprinted that on my subconscious mind. So once you print that on your subconscious mind, you're, it goes to work for you. Because it doesn't, your subconscious mind's responsibility is to make sure that your beliefs are congruent with your reality, right? It has to make your beliefs your reality or you'll just, you'll go, for lack of a better term, insane. So unconsciously, I started doing things that would help me to get to where I said I am. You know, we have to speak those things that are not as if they are. So I say I'm the best speaker in the world on a daily basis of myself and using incantations and just affirmations saying it over and over again so that I believe it so much so that I start unconsciously taking actions to become the best speaker in the world. And now only a year and two months into this whole speaking game, I'm speaking internationally. I'm training other speakers how to speak within other within other groups. You know it's it's man, it's been a phenomenal ride, I gotta tell you, I'm just so grateful, man and this book that's I try to put all these things in this book so other people can feel how I feel man and and experience what I'm experiencing. It's just so so great
2: and one of the things you actually talk about in the book is the fact that you felt that up until recently you weren't going all in right mm. you weren't giving it your very all until probably the last year or so, something like that. Do you find that the people
0: you're talking to, that's a common theme? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Hmm. Because we're human, right? Yeah. And we get discouraged along the way. You know, there were some obstacles along the way when I first started, you know, and there's some more obstacles that are coming up in my life now and trying to prevent me from getting where I want to go. But like I said earlier, if you knew who walked beside you at all times, so I'm not concerned about these obstacles. In the end, I know I'm going to get over it, you know, in life, if you know you have an end goal right? It's always important to start wherever you, whenever you're trying to pursue a mission in your life, start with the outcome. So you know what you want to do. If you know what the outcome is, if you know that you're going to win in the end, why get upset and frown or be unhappy along the way? Nothing that gets in my way troubles me anymore. You know, I mean, I'm human. So for a moment, it might bother me. And then I remember the end goal. I remember who walks beside me and I smile again. This is just another great learning experience for me to make me stronger in the end. so of course we do. Of course we get frustrated or we get you know sad or whatever, and we stop and or we don't give it our all. Mm-hmm. But we have to remember that why and remember who walks beside us, and remember that you have an end goal, so everything you do must be working toward that end goal, and stopping is not one of those things that's going to help you get there. If you stop, the momentum stops, and I stopped before, you know? I had a friend that told me that, you know, in order to be, he's like, how can you be speaking to people about becoming successful and you're not even rich? Like, you're not a millionaire yet. So how can you tell other people about being successful? Wow. And I was like, you know, man, if he believes that, then there's probably a million other people in the world who believe that. Yeah. You know, so for a little while, I kind of stopped. But I'm like, man, who am I to tell some? I'm a poor kid from West Philly. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a foster kid who was molested and raped. Like, who am I to tell somebody about being successful? I'm not a millionaire yet. I believe that you know and f- for a little while but then i rem- and he's my be- one of my best friends so I- he met well but like i said you know he- that's not always the right way to go you know you have to believe sure. that i've been changing people's lives men and women grown 45 67 year old men and women crying to me thanking me for the things that i'm doing thanking me for the book that i wrote telling me how much it's impacted their lives like i've been i was raped when i was a kid and i'm 44 and i haven't overcome it you're my hero thank you for sharing that you know, to be able to inspire that one individual, you know, just really helps to get that momentum, you know, going in me. You know, it helps to really inspire and empower me to continue to move on. Then to have a 67 year old woman crying to me, telling her about tell me about her story and just asking me to please never quit. Please don't quit. Don't stop doing the videos like if you just continue to work, you'll be changing people's lives and you're you quitting. It's selfish because your story, the things that God has allowed you to experience, the things that have happened in your life that have not happened to you but happened for you, happen so you can become the person that you are today so that you can help and inspire somebody else. So for you to sit on that and not share your story and not continue to push on, you're being selfish and somebody can be dying, losing their life because, or taking their own life because they didn't get a chance to sit in front of you and hear you speak and hear you captivate them and change their world. You know, so yes, like I to answer your question, I went off a little bit of a tangent. Yes, I believe that happens to a lot of people.
2: But uh, at the same time, you're not wrong. I mean, I think oftentimes people think, uh, you know, who are we? Who am I to to pursue my dream? It's just it's not going to happen. It's only meant for those who show up on TV. Mm -hmm. And the truth is, uh, people like with your kind of story are the ones who should be pursuing their dreams and, and sharing it to inspire or remind others who are going through the same thing or who've experienced the same traumas that they too can do
0: it Mm -hmm.
2: and and that's that's the thing
0: you have to believe that the person that's Mm -hmm. on tv right the person like lisa nichols when i'm watching lisa nichols when you hear her story lisa nichols was where i was she wasn't always famous lisa nichols was was where i was where she was down and destitute and downtrodden right the people you see on TV worked their way to get to that position because they didn't quit. They continued to push on. If you stop, you'll never be on that television. You'll never be sitting in Oprah, Oprah Winfrey's chair or on a couch next to her. You know, you'll never be able to experience that massive success that you desire if you quit. If you quit, but if, but if you push on, however, you will essentially and eventually get the win. But you just have to push on. If then people stopped, if Lisa Nichols stopped, I w- she wouldn't been on Steve Harvey. I never would have saw her. And I might have never started my mission. You know, so it's important that you continue to work and work hard because you're going to inspire someone else. You're going to empower another individual to pursue their God-given mission and take on their God-given gift and use it to inspire and empower other people.
2: Sure. And to be clear, it's, you may your intent may not be that. I mean, you, your intent doesn't have to be that. It's a side benefit or side effect of Mm -hmm. you being happy and pursuing your own dreams, guys. And that's, that's the thing I think you don't understand the power. You don't give yourself enough credit, honestly. And I think each of us does that.
0: I I agree. We don't give ourselves enough credit sometimes. And um, I think that comes from being told so many times that we're not, you know, you're not pretty enough, you know, or you don't have the right skin tone or you don't have the right, you know, uh, the right style of hair. You don't have the right complexion. You don't have the right facial features. And, you know, and we believe those things. So we second guess ourselves like, you know what, this ain't, you know, who who am I to do this? You know, (laughs) right, right. we don't give ourselves enough credit. We actually have greatness in us, each and every one of us. And you don't have to be a speaker like me. You know, you don't have to be, your mission doesn't have to be you know, uplifting humanity like mine is, you know, your mission, whatever it is, is your mission. And in, by using your gift to serve other people, you will find that you're inspiring and empowering, whether you're trying to or not, because you, somebody looks up to you, somebody looks up to what you're doing. And, you know, I had a meeting with a young man yesterday who asked to be a mentee of mine. And he, I didn't feel like I did anything. And this man was like, this is the best meeting I've ever had. Like, thank you so much. I'm like, I didn't even do anything. We only spent a couple hours together. But he was so grateful for the conversation and for the words that I was giving him. He wants to be where I'm at today. And he felt like I have poured into him so much through our conversation. He felt like he can do anything, you know, and he was just so he posted a post on Instagram. He was just so grateful. So, you know, whether you want to or not, whether it's your intention, you're actually inspiring somebody. Somebody looks up to you. So. Give yourself some credit and believe that it could be you, that next person that you see on TV doing whatever it is that you do.
2: Now, Travis, before, before I let you go, because you've already dropped a bucket of knowledge for everybody, I need you to share one thing, one action, someone can take today to chase their dreams and pursue what they need to do. What is something they could do? Start. Ooh.
0: Start. Take, like you said, take one. A- What's that one action? Mm-hmm. Take that. Take that one action. You know, start where you are. I didn't know how to become a great speaker. Right. But I said, I am going to be a great speaker. And then because I made the decision to become a great speaker, unconsciously, I started getting up at three o'clock in the morning. Right. Mm-hmm. From the one decision I made to become a, to be a great speaker, I started waking up at three o'clock in the morning going. right. I would do my walk with God, my prayer, meditation. I would go right to the computer and search how to become a great speaker. And then I watched videos on other great speakers, evaluated them, learned how they became great speakers, learned their histories, learned some of the things that they do, how to use their voice and how to use their hand gestures. And before you know it, I'm speaking at DreamCon. Before you know it, I'm flying to <laughs> I'm speaking at people's conferences all over the country. I'm I'm flying, I'm so grateful. I'm flying out of the country now, going to St. Lucia. I'm just so grateful. Uh, so just start, guys, like start where you are. Just believe that it, that you can achieve what you want to achieve. But just start. Don't worry about how you're going to get it. Don't worry about getting the money. Don't worry about how. just start. And when you start at some juncture, you'll get to where you want to be. But if you never start. I can pr- I pretty much assure you, you'll never get there.
2: I'm assure you, too. Yeah. I'm <laughs> a second that. You won't get there. You got to start. You got to. Travis, thank you so much for taking time out of your evening and busy schedule to share your story and so many wise words. Thank you.
0: I am so grateful. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for everybody out there chasing dreams with Amy J is the absolute best. Thank you.
2: And guys, that was Travis Wolf. How fantastic is his story? Am I right? Uh hopefully you guys were inspired and learned something about it how to chase your dreams from Travis. And cause he's right. You just gotta start. Okay, you just gotta start. You guys can learn more about Travis and the work he's doing and his company and his book all on the show notes page over at chasingdreamshq.com slash episode one oh four. That's episode one zero four. Till next time, guys, keep chasing
1: thank you so much for listening to Chasing Dreams. Amy would love to connect with you and hear all about your pursuit of chasing your dreams. Connect with her on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram via at ChasingDreamsHQ. Or you can find Amy on Twitter at AmyJ21. That's A-I-M-E-E-J-2-1. Be sure to visit headquarters over at chasingdreamshq.com for more inspiration, motivation, and resources to help with your own dream chase. We hope you'll join Amy next week. And until then, keep chasing.